Hey, it's Michael, and welcome to another podcast episode. Before I get into today's episode, we wanted to make an offer to you. If you go to firmsconsulting.com, you will see a pop-up or you'll see a place to add in your email address or you can register on the Firms Consulting website. If you register onto that website, you get put into an exclusive list. And what you get in that exclusive list is samples of the content we have available to FC Insiders. For example, you could get a sample episode of Competitive Strategy with Kevin Coyne. Kevin Coyne is an ex-McKinsey partner, former worldwide head of strategy, and he had served something like over 25 CEOs on a personal level, on a one-to-one basis over his career. Kevin also has a program called How to Become a McKinsey Partner. It's the first time ever a McKinsey partner has gone on record talking about what is actually required to become a partner and you'll find it's very different from what you think is required how to develop deep insights which i have put together one of our most popular programs the electric car startup you will get sample episodes of all of those programs and more if you sign up to this list so that said i hope you enjoy today's episode hi everyone and welcome to another firms consulting case interviews and management consulting podcast. And today, and possibly over the next few podcasts, I'm going to be responding to listener questions from around the world. And I've got some pretty interesting questions that have come in. And it definitely opens us up and gets us thinking about things we don't always normally think about, and also in a way we don't normally think about them. So I'm going to read through the first email I received. I'm obviously going to be changing some information here to protect the identity of the person writing in, but I'm going to leave in enough for you so that you can get a sense of the context and then my response to this. So here's the email I received. Hi, Michael. Hope all is well. I first became a member of FC in 2015 and emailed you in early 2016 about interviewing. Soon after, I started at McKinsey and have been doing okay. Consistently rated clear and accelerating, which is the new strong plus dash very strong. However, this year has been bad for me, even though it started off good with me being designated as an EM. I was assigned to a new PD, Professional Development Manager, who works with engagement managers and in the healthcare sector. My DGL, a partner, left the firm, and I got a DGL who I don't feel comfortable with. Then I had an issue in my spring review. For some reason, the PD seems to have a very negative view of me and keeps mentioning CTL, counsel to leave, so casually it's shocking, almost as if she's sending me a signal. I also believe to be successful going forward, I have to switch out of healthcare and into either consumer or banking, as those are better fit for me, for my background and interests. But I don't feel comfortable talking to my DGL about this, as he is in healthcare and wants me to continue with healthcare, and specifically manage his studies, as very few want to manage them. On top of this, I'm having difficulty finding a study to be staffed on in banking and the areas he wants to go to, as no one knows me in those industries. I've been on the beach for four weeks already, although with 1.5 weeks of training in between. And my PD is getting restless. I'm getting restless and I'm afraid my fall review will reflect my inability to get started or worse, get me counseled to leave, as my PD has mentioned a couple of times already. Finally, my only true support at the firm just moved back to the Philippines. He's the only one who really liked my work and when I worked one-on-one with the CFO of a company as an associate, and really created significant pull for myself and for the firm, for the, for the CFO directly. He's the one who then petitioned for me to get transferred from an emerging markets office in Asia to the United States, so there's clients in the United States, and rallied his peers to support me, two senior partners, an AP, and my, direct, and my current new DGL. 
I'm an FC insider and I've li- watched, listened to several episodes over the past few months. And while they're very, very good, I feel really trapped now because I'm not sure I'm interpreting the feedback in programs here have an insider. Some of the questions on my mind are, should I suck it up and get and stay on a healthcare study? Should I try to switch my DGL, which is the second option, though probably not possible or good at this moment given the issue in my last review? Option three, how honest open should I be with my DGL? Option four, how can I change my PD's opinion of me? Would be great to get your advice on the matter. I want to stay at the firm at least until January, which is about six months from now. But if I can meet good people in the sectors I want to join, I believe I could make this work even longer. Look forward to hearing from you, big fan. Loves and kisses, hugs. Okay, add in the last part about hugs and kisses. Okay, interesting email, which is not that uncommon. Obviously, most people get managed out, but you always want to get managed out in what I would say are the right circumstances. So as a starting point, I think we have to acknowledge that it's a very traumatic situation whereby you kind of feel your career is coming to an end. You see it in slow motion happening. It's almost as if you're on the street and you're able to slow down time and see a car about to hit you, but you don't know how to stop it from hitting you. And I think that must be even more traumatic than being told that the firm wants you to leave. At least that's a shock. You get over it and you move on. But here, you, it's almost like a frog in lukewarm water and you're being slowly boiled. But unlike most frogs, you probably evolved a little bit and you understand you're about to be you know, cooked alive. So let's go through this. Right? There's a lot of detail here, but one of the things you've got to remember is the detail is almost irrelevant at this point. Because it's all about the way McKinsey works that you have to worry about and the way people work. So as long as you keep those two tensions together in your mind, you can figure out what's going to happen and what you can do in these situations. So let's start with the basics, right? I've always told clients this. If you are trying to change things after the firm is making it clear that they're looking to counsel you to leave and after bad things have happened to you, it's almost always too late. Because of the way the firm is structured, and I'll explain that to you in a second, if you are being told that the firm wants you to leave or you are being placed in a situation where the firm wants you to leave, being placed in a situation means not being staffed, for example. If you have a bad relationship with people, the point is it's not fixable, basically. Already too many bad things have happened. You need to be taking remedial measures before it gets to this point. And which is a bit of an ironic thing because we have a lot of clients we place into McKinsey and BCG and so on at every level, partner, EM, associate, business analyst. And when the coaching is done with them, I always explain to them that, look, you understand that you've just gotten into the firm. You still have to be setting yourself up for success. You've got to do things differently. The majority don't really take that to heart and they assume that getting in was the hard part and now it's just going to be easy. Even though objective statistics obviously would tell you it can't be easier because you're now going to be competing with the best people who got in versus when you were interviewing, you were, you were competing against very average people who didn't get in. But people don't hear that. My point is that all these strategies and tactics and figuring out a way, you've got to do these things before they become an issue, not after they become an issue, right? Because your DGL, or you can use this for any firm, but the person who is giving you feedback is speaking on behalf of their team, and they are communicating to you. So one of the mistakes people make is that they think that, well, my DGL is giving me this feedback. My PD, Professional Development Manager, is giving me this feedback. But it's just them. It's just the DGL. It's just the PD. If I can get away from the PD and the DGL, everything's going to be fine. If I find another PD, if I find another Professional Development Manager, if I find another DGL, I can show them I am ready to do great things. 
Now, I've mentioned this in other episodes, and it's a very unusual explanation of the way firms are structured, but it's, the, it's exactly the way firms are structured. Every consulting firm, at least the major ones, but I would say most firms are structured this way. Most partnerships is made up of a family, a group of families. So every family is headed up by a senior partner, and below them they have partners, junior partners, then they have senior principals, junior principals, and so on. And that senior partner heads up that family because he brings in a book of business. He keeps the firm alive by bringing in revenue. So now this client and may not have realized this, but he's a member of that healthcare family headed up by that senior partner. Not the overall healthcare practice, which is big, but within healthcare, there's a lot of families that bring in healthcare business, all headed up by a senior partner. He's a member of one of those families. Now, when the firm wants to know how this client is doing. I'm going to call him, let's say, Peter, for example. When the firm wants to know Peter is doing, they're going to go to this family and they say, okay, Peter is in your family, your practice. He's worked with your guys mostly. What do you think of him? Now, obviously, a partner outside of the family or McKinsey people outside of the family don't have as much of an impression. They don't know much about the performance of Peter. No matter what you say anyone else may have about Peter's performance, the family he belongs to will have their word taken most seriously because they have worked with Peter the most. Now, there are exceptions to this rule. When I was at the firm, my first study was a real disaster. And the only reason I was not severely punished and probably counseled to leave is because I made very good friends with a partner and I used to sit with him in the office and he was able to observe me and he felt that none of the feedback made much sense. And he stepped in and defended me, which was you know, luck, I suppose, to some degree. So what I'm saying is that it, it, there are chances when this may not happen, but you can see in my situation, it's such an unusual thing that counting on an unusual event to save you is very uncommon. So what does this mean for Peter? For one thing, I think Peter needs to remember that he can't leave the practice. It's, well, I wouldn't say it's not possible. It's very improbable for a number of reasons. One is, think of how humans work, right? Think of how humans work. When you apply for a job somewhere, it is very common that the firm where you are interviewing at is going to contact your past employers or your current employer and do a reference check on you. They're going to know, you know, do, does he steal toilet paper? Does he lick cookies in the office and put it back into the trays? And then they're going to go to the more serious things like, you know, does he embezzle stuff? Is he a good co-worker and so on? So references matter. Yeah, here's the thing you got you to understand uh, is that well, I completely empathize and sympathize with Peter's situation. The unity belongs to the family he's a member of. If he wants to move into another sector like retail banking, the retail banking team is going to want to know from healthcare how he's doing. And the question they can ask is, if he's so good, why is healthcare letting him go? So even if Peter thinks healthcare is not going to say anything negative about him, the mere fact that healthcare is letting him go, the mere fact that he's looking to leave is an immediate negative sign. It's another thing to consider here. The retail banking team is grooming their own people. Now, even though the firms use very similar approaches, that's not entirely true because every way he manages things in his own way. He has certain quirks. He, he, he manages studies in a certain way. He expects work to be done differently from other partners. When he sends out emails, he means certain things that other partners don't mean. So every team, every practice, every mini family within the firm works in their own way. And at an EM level, you're not junior, but you, you're on the sort of borderline between middle to being someone quite senior. So you have a certain way of working, which maybe doesn't fit into the way the retail banking partner wants to work. But that's just about technical working style. There's also an issue of trust. If you put in an EM into one of your engagements, you are trusting that EM 
to defend your revenue stream as a partner. We, now, we never talk about revenue much, but honestly, it's a big deal when you're a partner. You're defending a revenue stream. So if Peter wants to make the sw- switch to retail banking, he's abandoning his existing family to ask for a new family. He's basically betraying one family. Now, you can call it whatever you want. You can say, no, he's forced to leave. No, he is betraying his family, a family that took him in, groomed him to one day be in healthcare. But the first chance when he didn't look like he'd make it, he abandons them. Now, if someone wanted to join my practice and he was at the EM level, I would be concerned about the loyalty of this person because I would think to myself, okay, you're in this sector, you're in this other practice for so long, you were part of this family, you were groomed by this partner's team. They put a lot of time and money into you. Obviously, training on an engagement is the major way we train. And now you want to leave. I understand all the issues about things not going well for you, but you want to leave. You want to abandon them as soon as it doesn't go well for you. You're not even thinking about what is the impact on this healthcare partner's business that someone who spent so much time grooming is leaving. No, you don't even worry about that. All you are thinking about is what's in it for me, Peter, and how do I save myself? So... Just from a team dynamics perspective, to leave a family within the firm and join another one, which may not seem like a big thing because people are not programmed to think about it this way. They're very transactional, especially in the West where it's a very individualistic culture. But I would not bring you into my team unless I had some very, very clear reasons of understanding why you are leaving. And knowing that you mean well, you tried your best, but there were just some personality clashes there. But if I felt that, well, there are no personality clashes. I mean, personalities always disagree, so there's going to be some of that. But if I feel that's not the driving factor, if I feel that you haven't tried your best, if I feel that the first chance you had, you considered leaving, or you haven't given it your all to repay this family for developing you, then I wouldn't put you into my team. And that's the thing Peter needs to understand. It's not just a transition. You're asking another family to accept you into their business. Family is a group of partners who work together developing that retail banking practice or wherever Peter wants to go. It's it's a completely different mindset you need to have. And the reason why many people fail to make that leap is they don't have that mindset. To them, it's just I'm joining another part of McKinsey. It's in McKinsey's interest. McKinsey will benefit. I will be happy. But they don't think about the practice they're leaving, which is obviously going to suffer. And the fact that they're not joining McKinsey, they're joining another family within McKinsey. And there's no clear reason why that family would take someone who's obviously, and I don't mean this in a negative sense, but in inverted commas, betraying the previous family. So that's one thing to consider. The second thing here is, let's look at some of the things that are happening. I don't think it's shocking when someone talks about CTL casually. I think people have different ways of communicating. And some of them may do things that you think are casual and maybe a blunt, but maybe that's the way they communicate. So to me... If someone is dropping you these hints, it's probably a sign that they don't feel you taking the other hints. So when these hints are being dropped about being counseled to leave, it's probably a a very negative sign because they feel that, you know what, I've given so much feedback in so many other areas and this guy is just not taking the hint. I've got to be more direct about it. On the other hand, this person could be a good person for you whereby they feel that, you know what, you're not going to make it and I need to tell you you need to leave now so that you take it upon yourself, start the process versus finding out in your next review, and then you really have about three months to leave. The bottom line is once this language begins, a mechanism begins, a mechanism, you know, starts moving. It's like those old MacGyver movies, you know, when he used to go searching for treasure and so on. He walks, you know, those old movies, those old shows in the 80s in America, whereby for some reason, the 80s, whenever something, an action movie took place, two scenes you could count on. One, during a high-speed car chase, when a car hits something on the road, it always 
flips and goes up in the air. And they always do a close-up of the tire spinning. That was a classic scene of the 80s and early 90s. And the other one was whenever someone's walking somewhere in the forest or someone, there's always a tripwire that's going to set up something. So basically, you're hitting a tripwire. Yeah? So what is that tripwire? The sequence is as follows. First, you've been given some... Well, let's just start off the beginning. You've done certain things that they didn't like. You probably were not told they didn't like it because they sometimes don't say anything. They want to see if you can get it. Then they started giving you some signals, not direct, indirect, you didn't get it. Then they were very blunt about it using language like counsel to leave, which I know is traumatic. I'm not blaming you for this. In no way am I saying, Peter, you messed up. I'm not saying it. I'm giving you the options here, right? Now, once that happens, they don't want to put you. The, the healthcare practice doesn't want to staff you. Uh, and you can see that you are not being staffed at the moment for four weeks, right? And if you say something that although 1.5 weeks is training, it doesn't matter. You've not staffed for four weeks. So you're not staffed for four weeks, which means you start looking you start looking bad. Your own team doesn't want to staff you, which means the longer this continues, you're going to become unstaffable. If your own team doesn't want to staff you, why would another team want to staff you? Why would another team take a bet on you? They didn't develop you. They don't know what you like. People always think McKinsey is one practice. No, McKinsey is not one firm. It's a multitude of families who are very similar, but also very different in the way they operate. Which is logical. Every partnership is like that in the world. Now, if you don't get staffed, it's not McKinsey's problem. So if you don't get staffed for, like, let's say, eight weeks and you have your performance review, the firm is not going to say, well, it's our fault for not staffing him. They're going to say it's his fault because he put himself in a situation where he couldn't be staffed. This is about personal accountability. It's always your fault because the way the firm operates is that you need to do something if you don't like it. And you've got to start doing it early enough. So when something goes wrong, it's, it's unheard of. Whether, I've never seen it. It's not going to happen whereby the firm is going to say you weren't staffed. It's our fault. If we gave you a chance and staffed you, maybe it would have performed better and would have changed things. That's not going to happen. So Peter really needs to, to focus on being staffed. Your best bet of being staffed is in healthcare because another family is not going to take you. It's not going to happen. Maybe you'll get a partner who wants you, who's going to give you a chance. But even if a partner gives you a chance, his team is not going to give you a chance. Think about this, right? McKinsey is a basically a system where people are moving towards partnership. So if you want to go into retail banking and you speak to the retail banking partner and you convince him and he says, okay, I'll put you in a study, you may be very happy, but don't be happy because the retail banking senior partner or junior partners, principals, engagement manager team and so on, they're going to see another guy coming in from outside their practice who has not earned his right to be in that team, who has not proven himself trying to regenerate their, his career while they have had to do it the hard way and they're making room for someone who has not earned his way into that family. They will close ranks around you. So even if the partner brings you in, his people are going to close ranks around you and you don't want that because you can't survive. So you've got to stay in healthcare. You've got to stay in healthcare and you've got to prove to them. And the way to do that is to understand why you are getting this negative feedback because in none of the emails you sent me, well, you sent me one email, which is quite long, but in the email you sent me, I couldn't see the reasons. And, you, and the thing is, you may not know the reasons, which is why I always tell people when I want to give this feedback, it's going to take a number of calls. They really need to dig in what is happening. But you can understand why this is happening, right? So should I suck it up and get on a healthcare study again? Yes, 100%, because that is your family. Those are the people who trained you. You don't just abandon them when it doesn't suit your career. It's also a blow to them which you have to replace you. You've got to be a bigger thinker here than just focusing on yourself, right? which is what everyone does. They just focus on themselves. When, when things are going well, they're all wonderfully talking about one firm, one practice. We're all a team. We all deserve the bonuses. But when things go bad for them, it's every man for himself. 
can't be that way. You have to stay on a healthcare study, but I would not use language like suck it up. It's negative imagery. You've got to be positive. They've given you a chance. You're already, you are part of a family. You've made it to EM, which is another small thing. Many people don't get that far. So it's not about sucking it up. It's about doing what a family is meant to do. You're having a bad time, but your family needs you. Your job is not to suck up anything. Your job is to be the best EM you can be and make sure that they do very well. If they do well, you do well. Should I try to switch my DGL? I'm going to say no to that. Because switching a DGL doesn't change anything. They've got a historical track record of you archived somewhere. If you switch your DGL, you're going to get a new DGL who doesn't know you that well. Can you imagine a meeting, right? You've got two DGLs, one that knows you a long time and one that doesn't know you a long time. Do you really think the new DGL is going to fight for you when you have this negative reputation? They don't know you very well. Why would they alienate the DGL who's going to give you a negative sentiment? Why would they do that? So you're creating a situation you can't win at if you bring in a new DGL. No matter what they say, is not going to have as much grounding as the person who knew you a very long time. And if it came down to a discussion, the new DGL is not going to defend you because they don't know you. Why would they defend you, someone who may leave in one week, versus an EM who may go on to do big things at the firm? You want to keep your colleagues close, right? How honest, open should I be with my DGL? Well, I want to say honest, but judging by the way you wrote this, your version of honesty is all about you. And I think that's the problem. And that is really, I think, a general problem in Western society where teamwork is all about the individual succeeding. You want to be honest with your DGL about how you can be a better member of that team. Not about your feelings and the fact that you feel a little bit hurt about counsel to leave discussions and so on. This is life. You've got, to man, you've got to man it up or woman it up, whichever phrase you like, and you've got to tough it out. So yeah, have an honest, open discussion about how you can be the best EM possible, about how you can put aside the mistakes you've been making and and figure out. But it's not about how you feel slighted and you don't like the tone. If you're going down that direction, you're not going to win because at the end of the day, the firm is not going to take your side over the side of your family. That's how the firm works. How can I change my PD's opinion of me? Professional development manager. Well, if I look at how you've written the email, I think that the impression of you is not entirely incorrect. If If you had come to me, if you were in my team, and you had been given these negative reviews, and you're working on some important engagements. In fact, even if you're not working on important engagements, you know my clients well. You've worked on our studies, you've got all this intellectual firepower, you've got all this institutional knowledge, and you've got some negative reviews. Rather than working with us to try to help where you can to support existing consultants, you are spending all your time trying to get into another practice or another family, it would be a negative thing to me. And I may not say anything, but you can assume that you have no more support from me. As soon as I think you're about to leave, the support ends. Even if there's a chance of you being counseled to stay, you should add that as one of the categories, it's not going to happen. So how do you change your PD's opinion of yourself? Well, I think you've got to change the way you're approaching things. It's only about you and your email. I don't see anything about how you worried about your team, the investment they made in you how you can figure out about how to do a better job for them. It's all about um, there seems to be a misunderstanding and you are shocked. It's too one-sided for me. This is not about you. It's, about the, it's not even about the firm. It's about that family within the firm. And that's the dynamic you have. You, you're doing what a lot of people do in the West. You look out for yourself. And in a family, you don't look out for yourself. You look out for your colleagues first. And if that doesn't work, fine. But you don't try to abandon them with the last few breaths you have left at McKinsey. And I know this may be harsh feedback, but it is the reality. If you want to be, go anywhere in the world and be senior, it's not about you. It's always about the people with whom you work. Now, if you are listening to this, I heard you're an insider, which is great. 
I would recommend that you uh, follow a Rebuilding a Practice and Partnership Memoir. Well, now you're not going to have a lot of time, so you know, pick the episodes that are relevant. But the bottom line is I've summarized it here. But you know, when I switched offices and had to turn around one of the an important emerging markets office, and later on I became more senior and they sent me to turn around offices, I always, you always focus on your team. Even if things are going badly for you, when I switched offices, a lot of the junior principals and principals in the new office in an emerging market were upset with me because of the direction I was taking that office. I wanted to raise standards dramatically. And to be honest, I made no uh, excuses or didn't try to hide the fact that I felt some people should leave the firm because they weren't good enough. But here's the thing. I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it because I really felt that all these people with bright dreams and wanted to do amazing work should have that opportunity. And which is why I had a coalition behind me, a coalition of the willing. I had a lot of support within the offices. Not always explicit support because people didn't know how this would pan out. They didn't want to alienate an existing principal just to placate a, a senior associate. But my point I'm trying to make is that even if you're unpopular, even if things are not going well, if your family truly believes you know what went wrong, you're not making excuses, and you can pull it together to help them. You have a shot. But the way you're handling this, it's about saving you, and you really don't, you're not worried about what's happening to that healthcare team. And that's what I want you to think about. Now, if you want to have access to some of the insider programs, I would go to firmsconsulting.com, F-I-R-M-S-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G, and this is for people who are not insiders. You can register for free, or you can provide your email address and for a limited time only, we will send you emails with sample episodes from our most advanced content. And finally, you, as you can see, I do respond to emails I receive, but post it as a comment. So as a comment on iTunes, firstly, tell us what you like so we know what to keep doing. For example, people told us that they like Q&As. They emailed us, but put it into iTunes. Don't email us. Put it into iTunes. That's one. Two, in your comment, if you want us to answer the question, just put the question in there. It doesn't have to be short, can be long, as much information as you want. We don't really need highly personal information, but we do need to know the specifics of what is happening. And even if we don't know the specifics, a broad overview of the prom will be good enough for us. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.